0: Thank you so much. I am really, really grateful to be here, to be able to be with all of you. I mean, this is my church home. You guys are my family. Uh, Y'all sent me out years ago as a missionary, my wife and I. Um, Over the years, you have supported us, and you have uh, been through, you know, the thick and thin, and, and we are very grateful just for everything that you have done, New Life. We can never express how much we love and appreciate all of you. And I'm really excited to be here this morning to be able to uh, bring God's word to you, Um, especially because today I'm in a passage that is really, really dear to me. So we're gonna be in Psalm 77, so you can go ahead and open your Bibles, you can load it up on your phone, however you do it, and then just put a thumb there, because we're actually gonna look at a different passage before we get into Psalm 77. What we're gonna look at first is uh, Mark 15. And what we see in Mark 15 is, is Jesus is on the cross. He's suffering. He's dying. And as he's on the cross, he yells out, he cries out to God the Father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now this uh, might be a little weird. We might see this and think, well, that doesn't sound like something that Jesus should say, right? It just seems out of place. Seems a little odd. Because Jesus is God. He is the Son, eternally God, in full knowledge of what's happening. He knows what's going on. I mean, He was weeping and sweating blood the night before because He was so anxious about this moment. He knew what was happening, and He could have diverted at any moment. And yet, upon the cross, we see this cry My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The magnitude of Jesus' suffering upon the cross led him to such sorrow and grief that he had to cry out because he was overwhelmed. Because remember, Jesus was fully God, but Jesus was fully man too, which means he experienced everything we do. He knows our temptations experiences it and so on the cross we see that Jesus is overwhelmed by his suffering and his grief and so he cries out to his father in this moment this weird line Jesus is lamenting and that's what we're going to talk about today is lament and that it's a good thing It's something modeled by Jesus. It's something that we should practice within our lives. Lament is a good thing. Now, lament is the journey traveled in the midst of our grief and our suffering. It winds through the darkest valleys of our lives and acts as a balm on our wounded hearts. That's what lament is. It comforts us and it heals us. Lament is biblical. It's good, and it's God's gift to us. It is how we are able to work through all the suffering that we experience. Jesus, He lamented upon the cross. And we can go back throughout Scripture and see throughout Jesus' life and ministry that He lamented multiple times. And we can see it even throughout all of Scripture. I mean, Lamentations is a book that is just lament. Lament is important. But why? Why does Scripture so heavily invest in showing us what lament is and teaching us how to do it? It's because God knows that each and every single one of us are going to have our fair share of suffering in this life. We're going to have sorrow and grief, loss. And unfortunately, the church, it seems, wants to push that part to the side in many cases. When you're going through some of the greatest moments of sorrow in your life, you walk into a church service and we hear triumphant songs, victory from the pulpit, joyful celebration, and those things are good and they're necessary because it's true. We do have victory. The good news of Jesus Christ is a cause for celebration, but when you're in the midst of your grief, you can walk into that and think, this is not me right now. This doesn't make any sense. Do I even belong here? And unfortunately, we could even have many well-meaning Christians say to those in the midst of sorrow things like, if you just have faith, God will carry you through. God has a plan. Well-meaning things, but when you're in the midst of your sorrow, it just hurts even more. I know you know what I'm talking about because we all go through it. And things like those can lead us to a place where we think this is just not where I belong. There's no place for me at the church. Am I unfaithful? Do I not have enough faith? Lament. The journey through our sorrow is a regular part of our lives and it is a vital part of the church we cannot push it aside because the truth is life sucks sometimes can't get away from it the worst thing we can do is to think that we have to walk through those times alone or even worse feel like God has nothing to say about it Because the truth is, God has a lot to say about lament, a lot to say about our suffering and our grief and our loss. So today we're going to walk through Psalm 77 and we're going to discover the way to lament. Today's going to be very practical because Psalm 77 actually gives us the steps to walk through lament. And I'm going to be honest, I am walking through this right now. My wife and I both are walking through lament. you'll have to be patient with me I've been crying all week so I was hoping I wouldn't today but earlier this month um, our three foster children were removed and put with their biological family and we had them for two and a half years in our hearts (laughs) they are our children We are working through the loss of our three children right now. There's a lot of sorrow. There's a lot of grief. And lament is our only way forward. And I know many of you in this room, you're walking through your own stuff. And even if right now you may not have something, you have. And you know it will come. We all work through the sorrow that we have in our life. Whether it's the loss of a child, the death of a child. Maybe it's the loss of a different loved one. You know, maybe it may be the loss of a job. Financial stability. It could be the pain of injustice that we see in the world all around us. The confusion of division within families, within the church within our community, within our nation. The uncertainty of the future. Maybe you just don't even know how you're going to get through the next six months. The heartache of abandonment. The hopelessness of despair. And maybe you're sitting there thinking, well, I don't have those big things. My stuff's just too little. It doesn't matter. That's not true either. Maybe you worked really hard to prepare for a test and you still failed it and now you're not sure you'll pass that class. Or maybe a friend has just ghosted you and you feel so abandoned. Or maybe you're getting older and you just simply can't do the things you used to be able to and you feel like that freedom has just been taken away. Nicole and I have had our fair share of sorrow and we know we're going to have it and I know that you have too. Every single person in this place has had their fair share of sorrow. And God wants us to know that it's okay. That we should accept it. See, God doesn't want you to push aside your grief. He doesn't want you to push aside your sorrow and your suffering and act like everything's just fine. God actually puts out his hand and offers us a way through our suffering. Through lament and so that's my main idea for today if you take nothing else away remember this that in your sorrow turn to lament in your sorrow turn to lament because lament is the life preserver in deep water lament is the light through the darkness lament is the path forward and psalm 77 is going to give us that path In a very practical way and so we're going to explore three steps of lament that we can practice in our lives and we can even start that practice this morning today and so let's pray for our time and then let's get into Psalm 77 father I thank you so much for today I thank you so much for this group of people that you have gathered together for a reason and a purpose that you Are moving through this congregation. Holy Spirit, we submit ourselves to you and we also freely offer up our grief and ask that you take a hand in bringing us toward help. We thank you and we praise you over all things in your holy name. Amen. All right, step one. Step one of lament is to grieve and complain. Now, that may seem a little weird, right? Complaining? We work so hard to get our kids not to complain. But it's important. And now, I want to take a moment, though, and make a very important point. That complaining is not the same as cursing God or attacking God's character. And so this is what it looks like. This is the difference. Cursing God, attacking his character, may look like shouting out in anger, saying, God, you're wrong. This is not the way it should happen. You're wrong in how this has gone down. That's cursing God. That's, that's attacking God's character. Where biblical complaint within lament is more of shouting out, God, I don't understand why. How could you let this happen? How could this possibly be part of any plan? That is biblical lament. And that is okay. That is what God wants us to do. Because we need to express the way that we feel. We need to work through the emotions that are just overwhelming us. So listen to this in Psalm 77. The way the author is going to cry out to God in his lament He says, I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. Does this resonate with you? I know it resonates with me, especially the line, my soul refuses to be comforted. How many have been there nothing anybody says no passage of scripture you read no worship song makes any difference because your soul just refuses to be comforted you are overwhelmed with your grief and then he says when i remember god i moan now in the original language this phrase actually means to process out loud in complaint So when he even thinks of god when he does the things that he's supposed to goes to service goes to church goes to small group reads his scripture tries to pray every time he even tries to think of god all he does is he processes out loud in complaint he moans from the depths of his guts he cannot understand how could you let this happen that is biblical complaint within lament He sees no way through, completely inconsolable. This stanza is sorrow, the depths of this man's pain. And it's okay. It's okay for you to read this and say, that's me. I don't see a way forward. It's okay. Now he continues in verse 4, "'You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak.'" I considered the days of old, the years long ago, and I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. So this is the author working through his grief and his sorrow, saying, I see no way forward, and he's attempting to make sense of his sorrow. He's making a diligent search of his heart, trying to understand, trying to come up with an answer. And this is the answer that he gets. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end of all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up all compassion? He's searching so desperately for an answer, and all he can come up with is, Why God? It doesn't make sense to him. He questions what happens, how it all fits together. The depths of our sorrow can lead us just to wonder sometimes, have I been forsaken? Have I been abandoned? Even Jesus asks upon the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, he knew that it wasn't true. Jesus was God. He knew it. Then on the cross, he knew, I haven't been abandoned, but he felt it. He was overwhelmed by his grief and pain and suffering. And even though he knew the truth, he still needed to cry out and lament. Because that is the way that God wants us to move toward health. So it's okay. It's okay to cry out, Why? Why, God? Our emotions are a part of us. It's how we work through our hardship. God doesn't want you to repress emotion. He wants you to move forward and find health. And health is obtained by acknowledging your grief and expressing it. Expressing your confusion. So grieve. Don't be ashamed That you need to grieve. Express your sorrow. Process through your emotions. Say all the things you need to say. And it's okay. One of the greatest things that I've done in my life has gone to therapy because it helps us with this. You can express your grief at home. You can express it with friends and family, express it with a therapist. Whatever you need to do, express your pain. Give a voice to your sorrow. It's okay to do so. And then we also know that the journey does not end there. This is just the first step. And so step number two is to remember. When all seems lost and nothing seems to help, what does the author do? In verse 10 he says, Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the ears of the right hand of the Most High. Now this is a weird little phrase and kind of hard to understand. But if we're looking at the translation in the original language, it's suggesting a change in direction. And so what the author is really saying is that my grief is so great, I have so much sorrow, and I don't know how I can move on. I am so overwhelmed, and at the same time, God changes the direction of my grief. Now notice, this is not a request. He's not asking God to change the direction of his grief. He's stating it as fact, that I feel this way, I feel so overwhelmed, and I feel like I'm so far from God, and... God changes the direction of my grief. See, the author is appealing to the most stable and sure thing in the entire world, the character of God. Who God is assures us that he will never leave or forsake us, even when we feel like it. God will always be with you in the midst of your sorrow, and he's going to guide you toward a new direction in your grief. That's who He is. That's what He does. Especially when we don't feel like it. And so how do we know this, though? How do we really know that this is true? Well, God's done it before. You can look back throughout your life and see many times when God has been faithful. You can look through the life of people in this room and see that God has been faithful. You have the history of the entire church God has been faithful again and again and again. The song that we sang at the end, Same God, it's basically saying that. You remember that God has been faithful, especially when you don't feel it. And you know what? Maybe you don't have any of that. Maybe you're sitting here for the first time and you don't have a connection to any of those things. Or maybe you're thinking, I just haven't experienced that kind of faithfulness in my own life and it's hard for me to grasp or understand. Well, when all else fails, above all, God has been faithful because of one thing above all else. And that is that He entered into human history as the man, Jesus Christ. And in that moment, he did something miraculous. He entered into our mess knowing that we had no way to have a relationship with him because of our brokenness and our sin. He lived the perfect life while experiencing every temptation we've ever had to a degree we can't even imagine because he never succumbed. He lived that life serving others more than himself. And then he died a terrible death upon a cross in full knowledge of how terrible it was gonna be. But he didn't stop. Three days later, he rose from the dead and that resurrection gives victory. And then he doesn't stop. He appeared to many, ministered to others, and then he ascended into heaven, guaranteeing for us, for now and for always, eternal relationship with God. That's the gospel. That is what everything is about. And that truth alone proves the faithfulness of God more than anything. When you are in the midst of your grief and your sorrow and everything feels so hopeless, remind yourself of the gospel. Remind yourself of who God is and what he has done. Because God's character is the surest thing we can lean upon. Step two is to remember who God is and what he has done and remember that he is faithful. The author does this in verse 11 and through 15. He says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God. You are the God who works wonders. You have made your might known among the peoples. You with your arm redeemed, your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph, Selah. God is good. God is holy. God is patient. God is love. God is gracious and merciful. God is sovereign. That is who God is. And in your sorrow, remember. Remind yourself who God is. My prayers over the past month have been rather simple and repetitive. I basically just say, Father, you are good. Father, you love me. You are faithful. And that's basically it. Is there's many days when I can't do more. But that I will hold on to. Who God is. Remember who he is and what he has done. And remember, especially when you have a hard time believing that could possibly be true. Remind yourself. And it is through the process of remembering and reminding yourself of repeating the gospel again and again to yourself that you step into the last part of the journey. Slowly over time, as you remind yourself of these truths, of who God is, you begin to trust again. And that's the final step of lament. And it may take a while to get there. You may sit in step one for a long time. You may be sitting in step one and trying step two, or you just remind yourself the gospel again and again, but all you can say is, God, my soul refuses to be comforted. But God tells us that eventually you will trust again. And that is the hope that we hold on to in lament. Lament is that the whole goal of it is health, healing, and it does happen. At verse 16, we see the author say, When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water, the skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. The author is reminding himself here that God is sovereign, that the forces of nature submit to him, and God's way may be obscured by the violence and the wrath of this world, that it may be covered by the deep waters of His sorrow, and yet God's footprints are still there. We may not be able to see it. We may be walking through, and our soul can't be comforted, and we are crying out, why God, why? And we just cannot see past the storm that we are in, and yet God's footprints are there all the same. He walks beside you, He guides you, especially when you have no idea that he's there. God will never leave you. Some of my darkest days and and moments I still have, I know that God is good and I just do not feel it, but I know it. My heart still hurts and it grieves and Jesus upon the cross He felt the same way. He's on the cross suffering, and yet he still cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so in my moments of grief, I can cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I can still know that he is there beside me. His footprints are there even if they are unseen. Jesus upon the cross, he shouted out in lament and trusted God the Father all the same. You can feel the depths of your sorrow and trust in God. They are not mutually exclusive. You can have both. Healing is found in lament. Healing is found in your grief. And in your complaint. Healing is found in your remembrance and in your trust. Lament does not mean that the pain is going to go away. It's a simple truth. Lament does not mean that the pain is going to go away. But what it does mean, it does mean that in lament you can see, maybe for the first time, the arms of God that were embracing you throughout the whole process. He never went away. He never left. This Psalm ends with verse 20, and it says there, you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Now Moses and Aaron were the leaders of Israel, the ones who formalized the covenant with God making Israel God's chosen. Today, the church is God's chosen people, His nation, His elect, His people. We are God's people. And it says in verse 20, You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. So it is through the church that we practice lament. It's not meant to be done alone. One of the greatest lies of the enemy is that you have to deal with your grief by yourself. Lament is supposed to be a corporate experience. So we need to grieve with one another. Bring others into your sorrow. When you're going through something, Don't think you'll just pass over and you'll just get through it and everything will be fine, no matter how big or small it may be. Bring a brother and sister into your grief. Let us lament together for all things. We must prop each other up in our grief and walk together toward healing. I know that there's sorrow out there every single one of you have something I know that grief exists in this place today in your sorrow turn to lament as we listen to this last song the front is going to be open you can stay in your seats but I invite you to use this time to take a step into lament. For whatever it is, whatever you're going through, whatever may be heavy upon your heart and mind, step into your lament. Cry out to God. Maybe you need to be in that stage of, I'm just going to complain right now. Because God, I don't know why. And that's okay. Maybe you need to go into step number two where you're just remembering, where you're just saying, this is the gospel, this is who God is, and I must hold on to this no matter what. And if you're having a hard time doing that, just read the lyrics to this song that they're going to sing, and it will guide you through remembering who God is. Step into lament today. Wherever you may be, whatever you need. God wants you to take a step toward health, and that happens through lament. And church, I'm telling you right now, if people are lamenting around you, join them. They don't need your empty platitudes. They don't need the statements. They don't need anything or advice. They need you just to cry out with them, why God, why? Let us lament together as a church. Let us walk into this week with a plan of action saying I'm not going to just rest in my sorrow but I'm going to move forward toward health. I pray that these steps can be taken today and church above all else I pray that you do it together. In God's name.